Welcome everyone to Mosaic Christian Fellowship for our worship together. What's better than this? To get together and to sing to God, from you are all things, to you are all things. You deserve the glory. This is, um, there's nothing better. And so welcome uh, to worship. And uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's so great to worship and sing alongside of you today. Uh, Today we have a treat because we have a guest preacher uh, who is here from our neighborhood. Um, He lives Uh, nearby. His name is Pastor Doug Park, and um, he's here to bring us God's Word and to continue our Salt and Light series. most recently, uh, Pastor Doug was the senior pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship um, in a nearby town, and before that, he was the pastor of New Harvest Church in Korea, which is the EM of uh, a big Korean church called Sarang uh, Church. And, um, you know, I could go through his resume and all that he's done, but the thing that is most encouraging um, about Doug is uh, he's a brother that I could look eye to eye, and, and we connect and we get what our lives are about, to make disciples before Jesus returns, and we recognize that our life is short, and there has to be a a focus and a drive to our life, and that's one of the the things that I treasure so much about um, having um, Doug in this neighborhood is uh, to have that friendship and to strive together for it. Um, Today, he's going to continue our uh, Salt and Light series by preaching to us about light, And um, as our brother, uh, Pastor Doug, comes up, let's warmly welcome him uh, to our church. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to see you guys. You know, I was just thinking after the first service, how wonderful it would be when we come together to everyone just draw a smiley face on their masks. <laughs> then even if you don't smile, at least we feel like we're interacting here. So it's great to be here with you guys. Uh, can we just first and foremost thank the Lord for our brothers and sisters in the praise team who's leading us in worship? Amen. Thank you. Such a, such a powerful time. Both services, uh, just so thoughtful and mindful of just how to seek the Lord and just been very blessed by the worship, very filled today. I'm so thankful. Thankful for Pastor Dave and the leadership for inviting me here to share God's word with you. I really do pray that uh, our hearts will be open to hear what God has to say. Um, you know, I've been in New Jersey now for four years, and one of the greatest blessings or part of being in Jersey are really the wonderful pastors that are serving in this area. Um, it's just great to be doing ministry with people who really love God. And Pastor Dave is no exception. He really uh, doesn't just say the motto, reach, embrace, and disciple. I know he strives to live it out. And I know that uh, this is really God's heart. Think about it. You know, When Jesus left, what did he leave behind? He didn't leave a house, didn't leave clothes. He only left disciples. That's what he's called us to do, is to make disciples. And so, brother, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm very challenged by your heart, and I look forward to many years of partnering in the work of building God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. So I want to begin today as we continue the series, Salt and Light, which is a great series. Um, I want to ask you, how important is light to you? How important is light to you? If we're honest, we don't really think about it, right? We don't really, we kind of like take it for granted. I didn't see anybody walking in here going, there's light in here. You know, that's how much we kind of just are used to it. But if you take a moment to think about light, you realize how essential it is, how important it is, 
how there are so many things that we can't do and so many things we can do because of light. Let me give you a couple of things of what light does. And I think we've all experienced this in our life. Light brings comfort and security. Little boy, little girl in their bed and they're sleeping. They might have a nightmare or there's a thunderstorm outside. They go, Daddy! And Daddy comes. He goes, the first thing they say is, can I sleep with you? And they're like, no, you sleep in your own bed. Then can you turn on the light? And you feel the sense of comfort and security. If when you're driving at night, what do, we, what do we need? We need to turn on the lights because what does light do? It brings clarity. It provides the vision to be able to see the direction that we're going. And especially if you live up here in Bergen County, we need lights. Otherwise, we'll hit the deers, right, as we drive. Now, when I first moved back from Korea here, I was like, am I living in a zoo? What's going on? There's wildlife everywhere. But light brings clarity and it gives direction so we don't run into obstacles or fall into pits and ditches. And also, what does light do? Light gives hope and assurance. I know we've all either read about it or seen it in movies or heard about the events where there'll be like coal miners who will go deep into the mountains and they're digging for coal. And while they are three or four miles down, all of a sudden the, the mine collapses. And as these coal miners are in the mine and you know, their, their helmet lights are starting to dim, they begin to fear, will we survive? Will we make it out? And as they're worrying, the lights go out and they're just huddled together, hoping to live. And all of a sudden, they start to hear clink, 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 clink. And just like those movies, a little pebble falls, clink, and then light comes in. And they'll look at each other and go, we're saved! Of course, it's not just the light, but what is behind the light that gives them that hope, that assurance. Light is so important, but we often take it for granted. And so what I want us to do is before we go into today's scripture, just to put that on the forefront of our minds, the importance of light. Okay? So please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Okay, Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. I will be reading from the NIV. Give me more turn to that. Jesus is speaking, and he says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God's word to us today. Take a moment to look at that yourself. What I want to ask you guys to do is, if you're comfortable, would you turn to the person next to you and say, you are the light of the world? Can you do that? Let's, I like to be interactive. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Okay? You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Now let me give you a little bit of a context to what's going on here. So Jesus is actually in the early stages of his earthly ministry. We're only in Matthew chapter 5. He has some of his disciples now who are following him. But what's already happened is he's already grown in fame. People are coming from all over from Jerusalem, Judea, from Syria. I mean, there are thousands that are seeking just a touch or a word from Jesus. And the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus sees the crowds and so he says, let's go up to the mountain because he wants some alone time with his disciples. And when he goes up the mountain, he tells his disciples, sit down. And he begins to teach them one of his most famous teachings known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and 6. 
And in this teaching, he's telling them what the kingdom of God is like and who they are as citizens, as disciples of Christ in the kingdom of God and how they are to live as disciples, as citizens of the kingdom of God. And he begins to tell them this. He begins to teach them. Now, before we look into you are the light of the world, I want us to understand what Jesus is implying, what he is implicitly stating when he says you are the light of the world. He's also stating what? That the world is in darkness. Implicit in the statement you are the light of the world, he is saying that the world is in darkness. Otherwise, why would there be need for light? Amen? Now, as Jesus is saying this statement and making this implicit statement, this world is in darkness, the disciples completely understand They are probably in complete agreement. They know that this world is in darkness. In fact, they look around them and they know that Israel, because they're Jews, the nation of Israel is under the oppressive rule of the Roman government. Taxed heavily, persecuted. And if you've ever been oppressed, you know how dark that feels. And they also, as Jews, they know that God had chosen Israel out of all the other nations that they might be a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42, verse 6, Isaiah 9, verse 6. God had chosen them to bring salvation to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. But they know the history of Israel, where again and again they rejected God and they went after foreign idols. And in their current day, they look at their religious leaders and they see how they turned the temple into a den of thieves. They see how the religious elite, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're always condemning, always judging. And there isn't life, but there's only death. They see their fellow Jews who are going after the exact same things as the Romans. Money, power, lust, pride. And if they're honest, if they check their own hearts, they see the wickedness and the darkness within themselves. So implicit in Jesus' statement, you are the light of the world, he's also saying this world is in darkness. They know the world is in darkness. They know the world is in trouble. And as that common comment that you've all heard, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, a lamp put on the stand, shine. Shine that all may see. Now when Jesus says this, I can imagine that the disciples' mouths must have dropped. We are the light? No, no, no. no. God is the light of the world. Jesus, you are the light of the world. Maybe some like really righteous scribes and Pharisees, they are the light of the world. Not us. Jesus, we're just fishermen. We're just tax collectors. And if anything, if you know what I was thinking this morning, you would definitely not say I'm the light of the world. If anything, I'm more like the dust of the world. On my good day, maybe like the fog in the sun, but not light of the world. And not only that, but it must have been such a shock because they understand as Jews what light represents all throughout the Old Testament. Whenever light is used symbolically, it it is used to represent the revelation of God's holy presence. Light was distinct from darkness. It would represent goodness and godliness, and it was separated from darkness and chaos. Remember in Genesis chapter 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and in darkness. 
covered the face of the, of the waters. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And what else happens in Genesis 1-3? And God said, let there be light. It's the first thing that God spoke. First sentences we hear from the mouth of God. And he says what? After he sees the light, he saw the light and it was good. And so God even gives a moral equivalence to light. And what that light does is it distinguishes the difference between darkness and light and it separates a boundary from night and day. And so the Israelites, they understand that whenever you hear light symbolically, it represents the revelation of God. Goodness versus evil. Light versus dark. And so the disciples, they hear this and they're going, what? You're calling us light? Now think about this for a moment. When God says, let there be light in verse 3, what is that light? What is that light? Now some people say, oh, it must have been the Big Bang. No, it's not because God created the heavens and the earth and it was dark and formless. So it's there before the, you know, before the light. So some people say it must have been the sun. No, the sun is not created until the fourth day. So what is that light? Well, perhaps God was working and it was so dark. He goes, man, I'm fumbling around. Let there be light. Oh, okay, I can see now. No, no, we know that God doesn't need that light. So what that light is this, and this is what I believe in, and this is what I've read some commentators have said, that when God says, let there be light, what he's doing is saying this, let there be a revelation of my glory to my creation. It's not so that God could see, but so that they could see what God is doing. So that you and I can see what God is doing. If God does not first initiate revelation to us, we will not know God. We cannot see God. So when God says, let there be light, it's a revelation of his holy presence so that we might see the wonders of what God's doing. And so here, the the disciples, they understand this. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, his revelation, his presence to creation. And now Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. You are the revelation of my presence. You are the revelation of my Father's glory to this world. Isn't that amazing? Does that not blow your mind? Because I know myself when I go, oh, I don't feel like light. But Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now what's so amazing about God's grace through our Lord Jesus Christ is we're only in Matthew chapter 5. Only Matthew chapter 5. So what have the disciples done to deserve this title, this statement from Jesus? Have they done any miracles yet? You can interact with me. It's okay. No, they haven't done any miracles. Have they preached a message yet? They haven't preached a single message. In fact, as we keep reading Matthew, we'll see that the disciples have a lot of dysfunction, don't they? They fight amongst each other. Sometimes they want to call down fire to burn the Sumerians. Right? Sometimes they want other people to get away. Get the children away out of here. And they have wrong expectations even of Jesus. In fact, they haven't even reached a single non-believer yet. So why does Jesus say, you are the light of the world? They haven't done a single righteous thing to be called the light of the world. The only thing they did up to now is this. They've left everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You see, it's not what we do. It's not our good deeds. It's not our works that make us the light of the world. It's who Christ is. And it's not who we are, righteous and and holy and always dotting every I, crossing every T. It's what he 
will do on the cross, what he will do in them and through them, that we are now declared you are the light of the world. When we give our lives to Christ, what he does is he fundamentally transforms us from children of darkness into children of light. This is what he does. According to John 8, verse 12, Jesus says this. When speaking again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, the big the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Apostle Paul understood this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, he says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This is the eternal truth of God. This is the never, ever changing statement of Christ. It cannot be changed. You have followed me. You have put your faith in me. You are the light of the world. But the question is this. The concern for Jesus is this whether or not we are shining. If you have put your faith in Christ, you've given yourself as a, as a disciple of Christ, it's irrefutable, you are the light of the world. But the concern of Christ, the question Christ asks is, are you shining? How is your light? Notice when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, he doesn't just stop there and go on to the next subject. Now let's talk about prayer. He goes on, and what he does is he asks in a rhetorical question-like way. Can a city built on a hill be hidden? Can it? Does anyone light a lamp and put it under a bowl? Do they? It's a kind of a rhetorical question, right? And what that's meant to do is meant to cast his light upon the disciples' heart. In other, in other words, God's asking us, how is your light? It's not whether or not you're saved. If you are a believer in Christ, you are saved. But how is your light shining? How are your good deeds being seen by others and ultimately glorifying God? Now here's a question. A statement actually. If you are shining right now, some of you are like, I shine for the Lord at my work, in my family, with my friends. I'm shining for the Lord. And they tell me, man, you're so bright. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord for you. But if you are in this room today and you're saying, you know what, honestly, before God, I'm not shining. In fact, I feel like there's no light in me. Then I have some good news for you. Actually, Jesus has good news for you. And the good news is this. Light always has a source. Light always has a source. Even though the Word of God does say God is light, God exists, right? And then he says, let there be light. So Light always has a source. I'll give you an example. Here's a, a flashlight, okay? Now, if I turn it on, it doesn't turn on, what do you do? Right? What, what, what good is it for? Right? Some people say you could bang somebody over the head. <laughs> but sometimes that's what we do as Christians, right? Like, condemn you. You're a sinner. Just stop doing that. <laughs> but that's not what this flashlight is really for. But when you try to turn it on and there's no light coming, what do you recognize? You don't go like, oh, no, it's not a flashlight anymore. You don't say that. You don't go, oh, you're worthless. You go up and you put the battery in or you connect it back to the source and then you turn it back on and you go, ah. So the problem is that it's not that it's not a flashlight. The problem is that it's lost connection to the source. Now, implicit, implicit in Jesus' statement, you are the light of the world, 
Shine so that all may see your good deeds and give glory to your heavenly Father. Implicit in that statement is this. You are not meant to shine on your own. You are not meant to shine on your own talents, on your own abilities. You're meant to shine by being continually connected to the source. Have you ever seen light trying to be light? I feel like sometimes we as Christians, we do that. Like, oh, I'm not feeling too good, but I better be more Christian-y, be more godly. And you know what? To be honest, human will is pretty powerful. Like, we can actually be more moral. Like, be more moral. Don't curse, don't curse. Oh, I didn't curse all day. We could be actually will ourselves, be more generous. Every check that comes in, salary, 5% to charity. Like, we can do that. But let me ask you a question. At the end of it, who receives the glory? You do. Because it's what you think you did. But that's not what the light that Jesus is talking about. He's saying the light that shines through you is to bring what? Glory to the Father. Bring glory to the Father. So here's the thing. If you and I, if we feel like, you know what, honestly, I'm not shining. I'm not radiating. People don't see God's work in my life and God's work through my life. Then what are we to do? Go back to the source. I want to just share a couple of stories with you. There, a, a young newlywed couple that my wife and I, we have been meeting with on a regular basis, um, they started off their marriage really shaky. They got into some huge fights. Um, early into their marriage, they always started saying the D word. Right? You guys, you can say the F word in marriage, but don't ever say the D word. Okay? You know what the F word is, right? You can say the word frustrated. I'm really frustrated. But don't say the D word. The D word is the divorce word, right? Because what God has brought. Anyway, so they're going at this, and then, uh, you know, we would meet together, and we would tell them, you know what, guys? Just try. Just try to read God's word together. Try to pray together. And above all, give your life to Christ. Not just your marriage, but your lives individually, and then come together in that heart of surrender to Christ. And so we've seen them really growing. We've seen them maturing because they're simply, you know, connecting themselves to the source. They would say things like, oh, I don't have, we don't have the energy to go on. I was like, I know you don't. Because we're not meant to do it with our own energy. We're meant to be filled with the Spirit, with Christ. And so one day, you know, just recently, about three weeks ago, we were having lunch together, and they're, they're being transformed, and I see it. They still have problems, of course, but they're being transformed. And as we were sitting there, we started talking about raising children because they have a two-year-old daughter. And they're sharing about how difficult it was, especially with COVID, and they were fighting. But really, as they pray and as they seek the Lord, God gives them strength and wisdom. And as we're sharing, the waitress, she's cutting the meat, right? And she goes, I'm sorry to intrude. But could, could I ask you guys a question? How do you do it? Because I have a daughter too, a young daughter. I, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I'm, and she's like about to cry. I'm at my wit's end. And then the, you know, I'm married, been married, going to be married for 25 years. I could have been like, oh, well. But I just held back. And I just said, let the young couple speak. And the, the, the young mother, she says, oh, you know what? I couldn't do it either. But really, when we pray, the Spirit of God gave us strength and God gave us wisdom. If you want, can I get you, I'll get your phone number and we could talk and we could share. And she was like, really? I would love that. And so she gave her a number. And then she says, what church do you guys go to? And then we prayed for her. And here's the thing, just a few months ago, they were talking about the D word. But now, they're talking about the other big D word, which is discipleship. They're wanting to invest into other people's lives. And I looked at them and I said, see, you guys, this is what God's called you to. 
God's called you to be the light of the world, not be at each other's throats. God's called you, brought you together to shine that others might see in their darkness that there's hope. And it's almost like I could picture Jesus singing to them, saying, baby, you're a fire work. Come on, let them show, you know. I could see Jesus like saying, this is what I created you for. Make him go, ah, 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 right? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I, I don't know if you realize this, but some of your friends and your family members or your coworkers, they will never step foot into this church. So you may very well be the only Jesus they ever see. You may be the very only Jesus that they will ever encounter. How is your light? How is your light? If it's not shining, go back to the source. Back, back when I was uh, serving uh, in Korea, I was doing a discipleship training, and uh, there was a, a, a sister who was there. She's in her mid-30s. And um, discipleship is pretty much this. It's the intentional commitment to mature in Christ with other believers so that I might go also and disciple others. And so she was part of the discipleship training. And uh, one thing she started to share in the middle of our discipleship training, she goes, you know, I've been a Christian for 35 years. Well, I went to church for 35 years. And I've never really reached out to anybody. But because I'm doing discipleship and my mind's changing and I've been thinking about Christ, I noticed that there's one student that always stays after class. And he always asks me questions, but are deep questions that have nothing to do with the class subject. So I actually asked him, and I said, hey, you want to study the Bible with me? Because the Bible actually answers those questions. And he said, yes. And then she began to share, it's been going so great. He's opening his heart, and now he wants to invite three of his friends. And she goes, I, cannot ever, I could not ever imagine that I would be discipling somebody else. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You are a town set on a hill. You are a lamp put on a stand. This is what you were called and created for. Brothers and sisters, if you are shining for Christ, it's definitely because you are remaining in Christ. If you are not shining, it's most definitely because you are not remaining in Christ. And the reason I say that is this. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says very plainly, I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, he doesn't say you may or I hope, he says, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. It's a guaranteed promise if you remain in me. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Remaining in him, that's what will bring us the light of Christ to shine in us more and more. Uh, you know, when I was dating my wife, I used to go to a morning prayer with her. We would drive together. Uh, and that, at that time, we were just fiancé, right? And I remember uh, that particular morning when I went to morning prayer, the pastor was encouraging us from the scriptures to pray continually, pray, pray. So I was just praying all throughout the day, feeling so good, feeling like I was actually walking like sinless, really. And then around like 4.35, dinner time came around, and we went to go pick up El Pollo Loco. Have you guys ever tried El Pollo Loco chicken here? Oh, yeah, oh, right? Come on, brother. Uh, it's, it's like so amazing, right? And so we bought it. Brought it back home, and we're about to eat it. And all of a sudden, my fiance or my wife, my fiance at the time, she gets a phone call, and it's, a, it's this lady named Grace. And you know, she's like, "Oh, okay, oh, okay. Where do you live? Okay, we'll be right over." I'm like, "No, no, we're not." Like what? So I'm like, "What's going on?" She's like, "Oh, Grace called, and Grace was on the praise team, and uh, you know, she's always a mic hog, by the way. So anyway, so Grace, was, Grace called, and she goes, "Something's wrong with her leg." 
Can you come and pick me up and take me to the hospital? And I'm thinking, we're not even friends with Grace. What the, why is she calling you? And then she's like, let's go. I'm like, come on, the chicken's getting cold. Like, call taxi or something, right? And she's like, can you just be a Christian? I'm like, all right, fine. So we get in the car, we go pick her up, and then she comes out of her, of her house, and she, she had to cut her jeans because her leg had become like green and swollen. Like she was like this. I was like, ooh. And I'll just be honest with you. When she got in the car, all I could think was, why didn't you pray for yourself to get healed? That's all I could pray about. Because I was thinking about the chicken. I'm just being honest with you. So then we take her to the we take her to the hospital. She goes into the emergency room, and you know we're just kind of waiting there to see what's going on with her. We're just waiting, and then uh, I'm just like really angry. And then this this like lady who looks like she's Middle Eastern, she comes out of the emergency room, and she's like, oh, oh, and she sits down, and she's over here, and I'm just like sitting frustrated, upset, just like when's she gonna get out? And and all of a sudden, you know, I I stand up. And uh, I'm, I'm like standing next to her, and I just look over because I feel like God is telling me to, to talk to her, go pray for her. So I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to go. Like, can I just move one seat over and just like pray for like this? Pray, heal me, you know? He's like, get closer. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I go over and I go, hey, are you okay? And she goes, oh, no, I have a terrible pain in my head. Why? Are you a doctor? I said, no, no, no. Uh, I'm just a Christian. And she goes, oh, I'm a Christian too. I'm from Saudi Arabia. I left because I was fleeing from persecution. And I wanted to worship Jesus freely. And I believe Jesus sent you to pray for me. So I'm like, whoa. Okay. And I was like, can I pray for you? She goes, yes. So right there, we start to pray for her in the emergency room. My my fiance comes over. We're praying for her, praying for her. And then all of a sudden, she, the door opens and her husband walks in, right? Because her husband came to pick her up. And he goes, come on. Do you have the prescription? And then she stands up, I kid you not, she stands up and she reaches into her pocket and then she goes like this. I don't need no prescription. Jesus healed me. And then she kneels and she goes, thank you, Jesus, thank you. And I'm looking at her and my, and my friend, oh. <laughs> and I'm thinking, imagine all this I would have missed if I stayed in my Apoyo Loco chicken. <laughs> I know, imagine if you take your light and put it on a bowl, what do you miss? What do you forsake that God has in store for you? The passage in Luke 11, 34 through 36, uh, let me just summarize it. Jesus says this, your eyes are the lamp of your body or of your soul. So be careful what you watch. Be careful what you let in continually, what you focus on, because eventually that will come in. And if that's darkness, then the so-called light inside of you will be true dark. But if what you look at is light, then inside of you will be full body light. And you'll be radiating that. So Jesus is telling us, look, you're the light of the world. But if you see yourself not glowing, not shining for Christ, then check, what are you looking at? What are you fixing your eyes on? Because whatever it is, it will determine what comes out of you, what shines out of you. Brothers and sisters, how often do we meditate on God's word? How often do we just slow down and just stay in God's presence and let him love us and speak to us? Because if we don't let him do that, you know what's going to happen? The world, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, they will talk to us. Korean drama will talk to us. And that's what's going to come out of us. That's why we need to be with the Lord, remaining in Him, so His words, His truth continues to say to us, 
You're the light of the world. But Jesus, I failed. I stumbled. You're the light of the world. Jesus, I'm afraid. You're the light of the world. I'm with you. And as you remain in the Lord, he begins to strengthen you. I want to close with this. A pastor friend of mine shared how um, he took his college students on a mission trip. And there was a junior high school student in eighth grade. His name was Bobby. And of course, he doesn't take junior high school kids on a college mission trip. But this particular boy, Bobby, he was a special kind of kid, really good-hearted and had such a love for God. So he agrees. Okay, I'll take you, Bobby, because Bobby really wanted to go. So they went to South America. And, um, you know, because he's an eighth grader, the pastor kept his eye on him, really particularly, just to be careful. But what he recognized was, realized was all the local kids would just gravitate around Bobby. Like they just wanted to hang out with Bobby. They wanted to be next to him and just play with him. And it was weird to him because, you know, all these other college students, they play soccer well, they play instruments well, you know, arts and crafts well. I mean, Bobby's not even that good looking. He's kind of pudgy kid. So he's thinking like, what the heck? Just, you know, but he's happy, but he's kind of confused. Like, why? So one, on one night in the middle of the mission trip, you know, the pastor and the team leaders had a late night meeting and he's coming back to the room and all the mission team members are sleeping, the guy's sleeping. And as he walks in, he starts to hear like a, a whispering going on in the corner of the room. So he walks over, he's like, What's, what is that sound? And he re- realizes that it's Bobby and Bobby's talking in his sleep. So he's like, Bobby, shh, shh, shh come on, quiet, you're, sleep, you're talking in your sleep. But, you know, Bobby's just knocked out because he's so tired and he just keeps talking. So he gets closer and closer to listen to what Bobby's saying and this is what Bobby's saying in his sleep. I love you, Jesus. 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 It made perfect sense now that even while Bobby's eyes are closed and sleeping, he continually keeps his soul focused upon Christ, and Christ radiates through him. Christ wants to radiate through you. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a time of such darkness. You know that. You know that. And the biggest challenge, I believe, for the church is not that we go around pointing fingers at people like, oh, you're a sinner, don't engage in that kind of activity. They, they already know that they're sinners. The question is this, is Christ beautiful? Is Christ marvelous and wonderful enough to give everything else up for? That's our challenge. How do we shine Christ so much so that people look at our life and goes, I got to have what you have. I pray that for Mosaic, that's the kind of community that we become. That we are so in love with Christ, have this great affection, that people are just, look at us and they're drawn to Christ in this community. It's possible. Brothers and sisters, I was at close. The world is in darkness, so watch me bring down fire, set the night alight, shining through the city with the Holy Spirit soul. So I'm going to light it up like dynamite. If you don't know, that's the, that's the lyrics from the BTS song, Dynamite. <laughs> you see, it's, it's actually not BTS that's supposed to light up the world. Oh, if they're Christians, hallelujah. <laughs> right? But it's actually supposed to be us. So I'm a light this up like dynamite. That's actually supposed to be us. I pray that we would respond to the invitation of Christ. Let's pray together. Once again, today, if you are shining and just just the glory of Christ is just emanating through you, give thanks to God that he would even consider us 
worthy of such a great privilege to just reflect his glory. Give thanks to God. Keep, keep hungering for more of God. Praise the Lord. Be a light to those around you continually. But for those of us who are like, you know what, my light is not shining. Christ's invitation is, would you come back? That's really what repentance is. It's just a 180 degree turn back from the way we're going, the way we're focused, to focus back on Christ, to be with Him, to know Him, to remain in Him, the source. And today, as you come to the Lord, perhaps the Lord, you say, Lord, you know what, I'm going to just give up this time so that I can really be with you, God. Throughout my workday, Lord, let me just commit, you know, just 15 minutes through each break just to be in your presence and let your light shine because, Lord, my co-workers, my family, and some of my friends, they're in darkness and they need to see the light of Christ. Lord, would you set my heart aflame again? You know, we're going to sing a song as we close and the song goes, shine your light and let the whole world see. And you know what Jesus says to us? No, you shine your light and let the whole world see. And also today, if there's some of you in this room who have not asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that perhaps you're still on the fence, you're still living only your way, and you have not confessed your sins and turned to Christ, today, I want you to know there is good news. Word of God says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And today, if you will repent of your sin and you ask Jesus, Lord, be my Lord and Savior, I will follow you. And today, Jesus will say, You are the light of the world. So just go ahead and take a moment to pray and respond to God's Word.